In this episode, I'm going to share another chapter from the book I've been writing. This one is about growing and nurturing your valuable inner circle. So this is a little bit more about building a powerful network and how to do that in this modern remote world. This is issue number 25 if you want to read it at newsletter.invinciblelife.me. Check it out. I'm Larry Cornett, and this is Invincible Life. So this is a draft of chapter 18 from the the book I've been writing for the past year or so. (laughs) It takes a while to write a book. Uh, It's titled Building the Invincible You, a working title. And it's a framework and strategies for amplifying your power, you know, feeling more powerful in your work and your life, regaining your freedom, so that you can spend more of your time the way you wish you could and building the future that you want for yourself and your loved ones. So if you want to read this, you can go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me. This is issue number 25, and it's titled Book Chapter, Growing and Nurturing Your Valuable Inner Circle, because I don't know if I'll be able to get through the whole chapter in this uh, podcast episode. So, millions of people around the world have been working at home for the past few years, uh, myself included. I've been working 100% remotely for like seven years. I'm trying to think. (laughs) I've lost track. And mostly remote and working at home since 2010. So, it's been a long time. And more and more companies are joining the ranks of those who have decided to let their employees work remotely. Sometimes they say, for now. Uh, A few have come out and said, perhaps forever. I think a lot of tech companies have led the charge with this, but pretty much any company where the work you do can be done with a laptop and a phone, and you don't really have to go into an office or a physical workplace. And even the employers who are asking employees to return to the office are sometimes making it a voluntary choice. It's like, yeah, come in. We'd like to see you, but we're not going to force you to. Or they say they expect people to come into the workplace, you know, a day a week, like come in every Friday or one to two days a week. Corporations are closing down campuses. They're leaving office spaces. And they're stopping commercial real estate deals and leases. Few of them are selling off properties. Um, REI is abandoning an eight-acre campus headquarters they were building, or maybe it already built in Washington, in the in Washington State in the U.S. Pinterest burned ninety million dollars to cancel a lease in San Francisco. Uh, Google, just a few weeks ago, said they're going to eat about five hundred million dollars. Five hundred million dollars. They're going to be cost related to exiting leases to align their office space with, quote, an adjusted global headcount. So, yeah, they've they've been having layoffs and everybody else has been having layoffs. There's 
several hundred thousand people have lost their jobs in the last year or so. But I think a few of us knew this remote work thing wasn't going away anytime soon. <laughs> a few years ago, I was a co-host of the Brave New Workforce Workforce podcast uh, with Trip Odell and Anna Kadena. And we kind of predicted this. We said that that, I think it was in 2021 when we were talking about this, it was going to be the tipping point because it was happening more and more. And we didn't think uh, the genie was going to be put back in the bottle. And what we're seeing is that more companies will have remote workforces of globally distributed, geographically unrestricted teams forever, forever. And why are they doing this? Well, it makes great financial sense. Corporate campuses are unbelievably expensive. I mean, can you imagine how much it costs to have a massive campus like the one, you know, Google does uh, in Mountain View and and Meta, which used to be Facebook does in Silicon Valley. And there's maybe 10 to 20% of the people there that used to be. People are telling me they go to the campus like, I'm going to go see people. And they drop in and no one's there. (laughs) That's a whole lot of expensive real estate and buildings to keep running when no one's showing up. Uh, Being remote gives you access to the best talent from around the world. Think about that. Once you no longer restrict your search to local candidates or people who want to relocate, you can hire the best talent anywhere. I mean, it's pretty strange to think that you're finding the best possible job candidate in the pool of people that are just local to your your corporate building. So this changes everything. It also levels the playing field. You know, it gets rid of that corporate headquarters competitive advantage that many remote employees have already experienced for decades. This isn't the first time people have been working remotely. It's kind of funny. People act like it's new. It's new considering the scale of it, but, you know, I worked, you know, many, many years ago, many years ago at IBM and Apple, and we had employees all over the world. I had employees that were working remote when I was at Yahoo, and there is an advantage for people in the corporate headquarters. It's really not fair to the remote employees. You know, they tend to receive fewer promotions than the folks who are sitting right next to the boss and saying, Hey, let's go grab a coffee boss. So this levels the playing field. And importantly, it enables a better quality life. When you get rid of your long commutes, you know, I used to drive anywhere from two to four hours a day total on freeways when I was commuting at my last corporate job. It's kind of nice having that time back reduces your cost of living expenses. A lot of people have been able to move to more affordable places. You would be surprised how much more affordably you can live when you get out of San Francisco or New York City. And all this gives you more time with friends and family, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. And I would guess that many of you listening to this right now might be working at home. I mean, even some college students are still studying at home. Until recently, my youngest was taking college courses while he was living at home. He's on campus now, but for first two years he was he was at home 
However, working at home does come with some adverse side effects, especially for the extroverts who miss the buzz of the office and spending time around coworkers all day. I mean, even introverts like myself are discovering it's a little bit harder to form relationships and maintain relationships with people beyond your close inner circle. I mean, your inner circle, which I've talked about before, is a wonderful thing to have. You really need that tiny group of trusted people who are your confidants and your advisors to be with you for the rest of your professional career, the rest of your life. I mean, that inner circle is so valuable. However, you do need to expand beyond that tiny circle if you want to build a more extensive, powerful network that brings you new opportunities. I've talked about that before. It's hard to find new opportunities if you're talking to the same people every day. But how do you do that? How do you do that in a world like the one we're living in now? I mean, traditionally, it has been through in-person activities. There's coffee meetings and lunches, cocktail parties, meetups, conferences, workshops, all that stuff. But that may not be an option for some people. Some people are not able to go back into the world yet. I mean, we talk about the pandemic being over, but people are still getting sick. People are still having issues. I have friends with heart conditions. I have friends fighting cancer. They cannot go back into the world and risk their life. So it's not really an option for them to do that. Plus, you do limit your opportunity to meet a wide range of folks if you only participate in local events. I mean, one of my good friends, Anna, lives in Costa Rica. I would not have ever met her if I only made friends with people that lived within a 20-mile radius of me. So I've been hearing questions about this from my broader community. Things like, how do I network now without the usual venue? So if I can't go out to the usual places to meet people, how do I, how do I network? How do I meet people? How do I replicate that office water cooler effect, the serendipity? Things that can improve team collaboration and cohesion. How do I maintain a strong company culture if we're not all physically spending time together? If we don't have lunch together, we don't have coffee together, or go out for drinks. What is everyone else doing to deal with some of the isolation and feelings of loneliness? I mean, the good news is that several companies have been collaborating remotely for a very long time. They've been making it work. You know, Automatic, they produce WordPress and a number of other pieces of software you probably use, Basecamp, Balsamic, there's a lot. So it is possible. I spent decades working with teams scattered all over the world, long before the pandemic. You know, back in 93, I was based in Silicon Valley, California, but many of my colleagues and my employees that reported to me were living in other cities around the U.S., and other countries. I have, you know, friends and colleagues in New York City, Seattle, Chicago, the UK, Germany, France, Spain, Korea, Hong Kong, Taiwan. I'm going on and on and on. You know, I spent a lot of time in China and India. We made it work. How did we collaborate and ship software, some of the most important software in the world, some of the coolest software in the world when I worked at Apple? If we weren't in the same office, we made it work. It is possible. 
But if you're new to working remotely and you are suffering from some of those feelings of isolation and loneliness, my words probably don't provide a lot of comfort, you know, saying, hey, we made it work. (laughs) You want a solution you can put into action right now. So I have some recommendations. I have some things I hope will help. I mean, I've been testing and implementing all kinds of solutions over the past few years because I run a few online communities, including my career community, um, solopreneur community, a few others, and I work with remote clients. I have many, many clients I've never met never met at all. We just talk over Zoom. So one way to think about how you want to connect and reconnect with people is to map out a matrix of frequency and medium of communication. How are you going to communicate? Because some forms of communication like video chat are much more intimate than others, than email, of course, right? You're also going to want to engage with some people more than others. There may be some people you'd rather not engage with at all, like maybe your boss. But I can't help you with that. You probably still have to. So the image that I have in this book chapter, if you go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me, you can check this out, shows kind of a graph where email is probably one of the least intimate ways to communicate. It's asynchronous and it's just text. It's kind of old-fashioned. We have, you know, messaging, you've got live chat where you're actually talking synchronously, uh, texting, which is kind of intimate because how many people do you want to have your phone number? Phone call. Imagine that making a call with your phone. Some people still do. And then video chat, right? Like zoom. And then you have to figure out how often do I want to do this? Is this something I do once a year, once every three months, monthly, weekly, daily, You know, some people you might end up talking to every day over video chat. I know a lot of teams do that. I talk with my clients quite a bit over video chat. And I have friends and I have family all over the world. And I don't get to see people very frequently when they live far away. And even some of my local friends, I haven't been able to see that often um, just because of the way things have been. We used to meet at the coffee shop or go get a drink. just hasn't happened as often. It hasn't really come back as quickly as you might think, even though it's been a few years. So my social interaction in this, quote, brave new world, uh, it consists of sending text, sending messages, sending memes to my brothers throughout the day. It is a quick and lightweight way to stay connected, to let someone know you're thinking of them, to put a smile on someone's face. You know, it doesn't take a lot. These messages literally only take a few seconds, but it keeps the relationships active. So if you want to keep your inner circle fresh and active and let people know that you care, send a few messages every day or every few days. And then other relationships will fall into different points within that matrix, right? My current clients that I'm working with one-on-one, my career clients, and my career community, it's a higher level of engagement. It's a more intimate connection. We talk in Slack both real time and synchronously and uh, well, asynchronously, sorry. We have email exchanges and I schedule time for video chat. So we talk over zoom quite a bit. Engaging with my broader professional network is a somewhat lower demand of my time. I mean, we communicate less frequently 
and often through less intimate channels. So I'll send an email or I'll send a message on LinkedIn. And my broader social network requires less frequent, intense communication. I mean, you can't engage in a personal video chat with hundreds or thousands of people every day, nor should you. You know, we message each other occasionally. We comment on each other's posts on social media, things like that. So think about your personal and professional goals for your family, your friends, your professional network. Create a schedule of communication that's appropriate for the depth of connection and the relationships you need to maintain. It's going to be challenging to have a powerful network if you let it go stale. Powerful network has to be fresh, has to be engaged. I talked about how important your network is in chapter 14. And one of your goals may be to reduce that sense of isolation, that feeling of loneliness that I mentioned. So how can you do that? Think about the people you want to connect with more frequently. How can you fix that problem? I mean, you have to make time and you have to schedule meetings with people more intentionally. More intentionally, especially if people are going to be working remotely more often. You know, if we're all kind of scattered and not seeing each other in person, you're not going to just bump into people like you did before. You know, you're not going to bump into people in the office. You're not going to bump into people at Starbucks on the way to the office when you're out and about. So you have to be more intentional. That is important. So I want to talk a little bit about networking and socializing. The pandemic, no doubt about it, disrupted traditional networking. You know, it started probably in 2020 when we were like, oh, this is kind of weird. We're going to do some quarantines. And before we knew it, oh, this is going on for a long time. So traditional networking pretty much got turned on its ear. And I never really enjoyed the big group networking experiences anyway. I mean, it's not that great for an introvert. I've always been much better with more intimate one-on-one discussions like over coffee, right? I would also rather have a chat with a small group of close friends or colleagues than trying to squeeze a word in edgewise in some massive group of people with an extrovert in the center telling all the jokes and getting all the attention. And this brave new remote world lends itself better to that model. It's easier to connect. Every day, I connect one-on-one with my clients, business partners, friends. You know, I chat with people from my broader professional network and even strangers. And that's what happens if you're active on social media. You know, I'm pretty active on Twitter and Mastodon and LinkedIn and Instagram and a few other places. And I have quite a few, I guess I'll call them friends, right? We talk quite a bit. They're very supportive and I've never met them in person. And I've also provided an easy way for people to schedule complimentary, complimentary coaching calls with me. Boy, that doesn't come off the tongue easily. <laughs> complimentary coaching calls. So, uh, I include that link if you go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me. I'm happy to chat with anybody. you know, And it can be about life issues, career issues, you name it. Business stuff. I'm always happy to talk with people. And as I've suggested before... You can intentionally schedule, quote, coffee chats and meetings to catch up with select individuals from your professional network. So you can build a list of relevant people from your network. It's really easy to export your LinkedIn data, for example. Put that, it comes out in a CSV format, put it into a spreadsheet and think about who do I want to reconnect with? 
Use that as a starting point and treat like a simple kind of relationship management tool. And then you can set up video chats. You can set up phone calls with a subset of folks that you want to reconnect with. And you can schedule a little bit of time each week to catch up with people just to socialize, to network or discuss opportunities. You know, make it part of your weekly calendar. And I'm always glad that when I've done this, it's always great to catch up with people. I spend an incredible amount of time in text-based messaging services every day. Um, But I find that the best way to connect more deeply with people is through video, like Zoom or audio chat. You know, if someone doesn't want to be on camera, you just can't replace the sound of someone's voice. You know, that's why you're listening to a podcast. You can't replace seeing the expressions on their faces when someone's laughing or when they're confused, you can tell. And as I said, you will need to deliberately schedule meetings to catch up with people like this. You know, you're not just going to run into them when you're walking out to get a burrito. You know, set, you could also set up small group video chats just for fun and networking, you know, and I use Zoom for that. I've hosted larger online events and like cocktail parties. It can be a lot of fun. I've been hosting fireside chats with um, doing like career Q&A sessions this year. I included a link to go check that out. So if you want to join one of those, we just talk about anything and everything related to your job, trying to get a new job, trying to get promoted, dealing with issues at work, you name it. It's pretty informal. And if you're not up for hosting one of your own, and some people just don't want to host these things, they're not up for it. You'd be surprised by how many virtual events there are now. I mean, it's unreal. If you go to meetup, meetup meetup.com, they have a filter where you can see just the online events. So not just local events, but check out stuff online. Eventbrite does too. You can search for online events. And most social media platforms like um, Facebook and I think Twitter has this too. They also have their own kind of setup for this kind of thing. Um, there's lots of different ways to find meetups and live events and and engage with people and talk with people. Another way to expand your social circle, you know, both your professional one, your personal one is to join relevant communities. So not just attending a random event or a one-off event, but join a community and really, really get to know people. These could be groups that map to your individual interests and hobbies, like a book club. A lot of people join book clubs, uh, music clubs, you name it, sports. But they can also be professional groups that provide some networking value for your career or your business if you're an entrepreneur. Now, how you engage with the communities depends on whether you are the creator of that community, which I've talked about before, or merely just a member, right? As a creator... You have a greater responsibility. You have to keep it active. You have to keep the community healthy, make it useful, keep it safe. It's important. As a member, I've joined a lot of communities as a member too. It can feel kind of overwhelming. I just recently did this. I joined some writing communities. I'm really trying to get serious about my writing. Um, It's a little overwhelming to join a new community. And there's like, 15,000 published authors in the community, right? So it's like, how do you fit in? How do you engage with other people? How do you add value? You know, 
But the best communities do try to make the process easier and a little less scary. For example, my Invincible Career Community, it's a pretty good place to meet other ambitious, friendly, and supportive professionals. I mean, I say this all the time. I think the people who join finally see it. I think the people outside may not believe it, but they are the really nice people and they're very supportive. You know, it's a lot of tech professionals, but a lot of other types of professionals too. And we do our best to be very welcoming, to welcome new members, you know, when they introduce themselves, try to help people with their questions as much as possible. So if you're getting ready to join a larger community, there's a few rules of thumb that you should consider. Read the code of conduct. Hopefully the community has a code of conduct. Check that out before you post anything, before you comment on someone else's post, before you engage with other members. Read the group rules. Sometimes those are different than the code of conduct or instead of the code of conduct. They might just call them group rules. Same. You know, read that before you post, comment, or engage. Lurk for a few days, you know, just kind of watch and observe, maybe even a few weeks to get a feel for the community's culture. Every community is a little bit different. Note what kind of posting, commenting, behavior, and language seems acceptable versus not in the community. You know, I've been in some communities where people are cursing left and right, and I've been in other communities where no one's really cursing. So you really should think about what you're getting into and how to behave. And finally, you have to give to receive. This is important. You know, be helpful, be supportive. Don't just jump in and start asking people for information or advice or asking to do you a favor. People do that, and that's a mistake. I see people make mistakes all the time. All the time. They come into a community and they immediately start behaving in ways that aren't really appropriate for that community. You know, they're trying to sell people stuff. They're asking people for stuff. They're trying to private message or DM people when they shouldn't be. Before you know it, they're getting reprimanded or they just get kicked out. A lot of people just get kicked out. You know, what be what might be fine in one community might be completely unacceptable in another one. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You'll see this in Facebook groups too. You know, it's like some people love to, you know, put uh, animated GIFs and memes and jokes and make people laugh and other communities are like, please stop doing that. Don't ever post those. <laughs> So you got to go slow, take the time to learn the ropes, you know, make a few friends and start contributing in a positive way. And you're going to love it. It's going to be really helpful. And, you know, I've been talking a lot about online interaction and communities and virtual groups and things like that, but we are starting to ease back into the real world. I mean, I'd love making new friends and maintaining long distance relationships online. My business, my lifestyle, that just wouldn't be possible without the internet, without all the great tools and services we all use. However, there is still something special about meeting people in person. I don't think the value of socializing in the real world will be going away anytime soon. You know, one of my clients has been struggling to build an audience online and to get good engagement on LinkedIn and Twitter. They're reasonably new to their profession. They made a career change after most of the companies in this uh, 
particular industry had shifted to remote work. So, you know, they're working remotely from the get-go. And unfortunately, it isn't easy to build a significant audience and strong relationships through pure online interactions. I mean, is it possible? Yeah, of course it is. I've done it. But it is harder. It's harder unless you've started from a base of something. You know, you've got connections in the real world or you're a famous person, a lot easier for them. Or you spend a lot of money on marketing and advertising. You know, you push a lot of people to your profile, to your post. So I recommended they jumpstart the process with some good old-fashioned in-person interaction. And I recommend this for you as well, since we are starting to get back into the world. Find and attend local professional meetups. I've done some of these. It's kind of cool to meet local people who do what you do or in the business that you are. Attending relevant industry conferences in person. You know, it's like, There are so many cool conferences out there and there's nothing better than meeting people at a conference and really getting to know somebody. Even better, speaking at the conference. I've talked about this before. It is a lot easier to get to know people and for them to come up and talk to you when you gave a talk, when you were on a panel or you taught a workshop, right? And then when you're there, if you're going to do this, make time to go out for lunch, go out for dinner, have some drinks with folks. Too many people that I've seen just are like, oh, I'm not going to go out to dinner or I'm too tired. I'm not going to go out for drinks. Some of the best professional relationships that I built happened sitting around at dinner or sitting around a fire at night, having some drinks and talking and laughing. I built some lifelong relationships getting to know people that way because we're human beings We bond over these shared physical experiences. We bond over food and drinks. We bond over laughter. That's just the way it is. So the real world, still out there, still very useful. So I'm just going to end with saying you have to take control of this. You know, with so many people working at home, so many people staying home more often, we just can't expect that relationships will just happen, you know, or that they'll they'll be maintained without making intentional effort. It's not going to happen. We have to take control and use the available online tools, use things like these real world conferences I mentioned to connect with people. And it's easy to get isolated when you work at home. I know how lonely it can be. I've been doing it for a long time, but it can be transformed into an opportunity to meet people you never would have encountered in your daily life anyway. So schedule those appointments to connect more deeply with people. Do that one-on-one, do it in small groups. Find communities or create a community if you can't find what you're looking for. But the most important thing is take control of this. You have to take control. And then grow that valuable inner circle. Nurture your inner circle. It's going to be an amazing asset to create a more invincible life and career. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck with pursuing the life of your dreams so you can be happier, healthier, and more fulfilled.